I want to thank everyone for coming this morning. It always blesses my heart to see that people are still willing to come worship. People are still willing to come to the house of the Lord. Thank you for being here this morning. As crazy as life is, as sinful as it is in the world, there are still a remnant of people that believe. Amen? I know I do. Alan Johnson, will you take us before the Lord, please? Man, you can be seated. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you this morning. I have a little bit of an unsettled feeling in me this morning. Uh, My spirit is unsettled. Uh, I guess you could even say maybe I'm a little bit unnerved because I've kind of come to some realizations. I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, I've seen the writing on the wall, okay? And what I'm talking about is it is inevitable to me, and I, I hope maybe some of you can see it too. I hope that maybe some of you agree with me. And this is what makes me a little unsettled, but I see the writing on the wall, but it is inevitable that there will soon be a passing of the baton, if you will. And what I mean by that is the older generation, the generation that's that's running the church now, and Pastor Joe and Ruth and the, the leadership that he's surrounded himself with, at some point in the future, and I can see the writing on the wall, at some point they are going to pass the younger generation, my generation, the baton. And it unnerves me just a little bit. As much as we love Pastor Joe and Ruth, time beats all of us. Nature whoops all of us. Amen? We lose the game to nature. We lose the game to time. Much as we love them, much as I love the leadership team that Pastor Joe and Ruth have surrounded themselves with, you know, the, the elders that we have in place here at the church, the guys that we get to come pray for us, the guys that we get to counsel us, the guys and people that we get to come visit us. Much as I love those people, much as we love those people, it is inevitable that, that at some point they are going to be gone from amongst us. Okay? At some point, much as we love Pastor Joe and much as we love Pastor Ruth, they're going to be gone. You see, because nature beats all of us. Time's going to take its toll on Pastor Joe and Ruth. I'm not trying to be funny at all, but time's already taking its toll on. He's slowing down. He's getting tired, okay? And I want to dispel any rumors. No, Pastor Joe's not going anywhere. No, he's not leaving it. That's not it. But what I'm saying is, is us younger generation people, we have to see the writing on the wall that it is inevitable. It's self-evident that the leaders that we have now that have taught us the traditions that we have, that has preached the word to us, that has counseled us, that has taught us in Sunday school classes. It is inevitable. It is self-evident to all of us, it should be, that at some point they're going to hand us, my generation, they're going to hand us the baton. You See, because they're going to be too old and too feeble to run anymore, and they're going to say, here, take this baton. I've taught you all that I can taught you. Take this. And that's why I feel a little bit unsettled this morning. I feel a little bit unsettled because as I'm running and they're getting ready to hand that baton to my generation, my unsettled feeling comes from I don't know what my generation is going to do once we grab hold of that baton. And when I'm talking about the baton, I'm talking about this, the gospel, the word of God. What are we going to do with it, younger generation, when they hand it to us? You see, because we cannot keep Pastor Joe and Ruth forever. We cannot. 
It's inevitable that at some point, Pastor Joe is going to say, I, I can't do it anymore. I'm too feeble. I'm too old. I can't. Someone else has to take this. It's self-evident that it's going to happen. What are we going to do, younger generation? What are we going to do when they pass it to us? You're seeing I'm a little bit unsettled this morning. I'm unnerved because I see the writing on the wall that soon it's going to happen. We can't keep the elders, these people that I love and I've grown to know and love and trust and go to them for counseling. At some point, they're going to be gone from amongst us. And all that's going to be left is my generation. And I wonder what we are going to do with this when they are gone. By nature, people get older and tired, and a younger generation must carry on. Now, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the older generation. I'm not trying to be rude to the older generation, and I'm surely not trying to be funny when I say that these people are getting older. Amen? They're getting older. It happens. That's life. And what happens is they get older. They either are too old to do it or they perish or whatever, but they'll, one way or the other, they'll be gone and we'll be left holding this gospel, holding everything that they taught us. And what will we do with it to the people of my generation? What will we do with it to the guys that I played basketball with for 10, 12 years with? What will we do with it, brothers? Now, I'm 37 years old, and when I say the younger generation, I think you can kind of, you know what I mean. Anyone that's in my ballpark range, a little bit older than me, down to the younger, I'd even go down to our teenagers. Teenagers, what are we going to do when Pastor Joe and Ruth are gone? That's kind of what unsettles me a little bit this morning. kind of makes me feel a little bit unnerved. Gives me an uneasy feeling because I don't know what this generation, this next generation, I don't know what my generation will do with this gospel. Because I want to tell you a few things that I've noticed about my generation, okay? What will we do with this word of God? What will we do with the gospel? What will we do with this church? What will we do with the church in America? What will we do with this church even here just at New Hope? Let me tell you a few things I've noticed about my generation. And you can be mad at me if you want to, but I have just noticed these things. My generation is a generation that doesn't like to pray. We don't like to pray. We don't. And if we do pray, they're just surface prayers. You're just scratching at the surface. Lord, watch over me. Help me have a good day. Keep my family safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay? That, that's my generation. We, we don't like to have deep intercessory prayer. We don't like to press in. We don't like to pray ourselves through situations. We don't like to pray until we get an answer from God. We don't like to shut ourselves in. We don't like the prayer closet. We don't, we're a generation that doesn't like to pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Always be in the spirit of prayer. We don't like to seek the hidden manna out of this word. We are a generation that that just does not like to pray. Now, I had a brother the other day tell me that he prays every day in the shower. Now, you could chuckle about that or whatever, 
But this guy tells me I pray every day in the shower. Let me tell you, the Bible says in James, the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let me tell you, you cannot receive revelations from Christ while you're scrubbing your armpits. You, you cannot. You see, we can make light of that, and that's funny, and this and that, but that's what my generation does, you see. Jesus said, when thou pray, enter into your closet. You know why he said that? Because there's nothing else to do in the closet but pray. He didn't say enter into the shower. See, that when he told when that, that particular brother, no, he doesn't go to church here. When this particular person told me that, I thought, you know what? That man's speaking the truth. That's what my generation does. We don't have any deep intercessory prayer. We don't pray until we get an answer from God. We pray while we're showering or while we're doing something. That, that's what my generation does. Another brother told me, and I've had several people tell me this, and sometimes I'm even guilty of doing this myself. And, and I'm, I'll go on record to say it's not necessarily evil to pray in the shower. It isn't. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Always be in a spirit of prayer. But, but praying in the shower, I mean, that's not going to pray you through dark times. That's not going to pray you through when you're standing against the gates of hell. Another brother told me, I pray every day, man when I'm driving to and fro work. So let me let me get something clear. Okay? That's not prayer. That's actually called multitasking. Okay? And that's what my generation does. We multitask. Pray while we're in the shower, pray while we're driving. That's multitasking. You see, Jesus said enter into your closet because there's nothing else in there but you and him. Amen? You see, when you pray while you're driving, you're praying while also transporting yourself from point A to point B. See, you're doing two things at once. You understand that? You're not actually giving him 100%. You're not actually just you and him. It's you and him and you're doing something else, showering or driving. But that's what my generation does, and, and that adds to my unnerved feeling, my unsettled feeling, because we can't take the baton from this next from the older generation and be a people who praise in the shower and praise only when we drive. Cannot. But that's what my generation does. We multitask. We're a generation that doesn't like to read the Word. Now, I admit, some of us, we do read our words, but I don't know how much we dig into the Word. That I don't know how much we actually dig in to get answers for our lives and apply them out of this book right here, the Bible. I say we can read our, our year plans or read or whatever it may be, but how much can you tell me that you read and you receive things from God from this word, my generation? Can you tell me that? We, we cannot take the baton from the older generation, and not know our words and love our words. We cannot. Your delight should be in the law of the Lord. We should meditate on it. Younger generation, we should meditate on it both day and night. And if I listen, if anyone listens to the conversation of my generation, most likely it's not on the word, it's on sports or whatever things are going on. And it adds to the unsettled feeling in me. 
Because what are we going to do when Pastor Joe says, I've had enough, man, I can't do anymore, or, or I'm dying, I'm not going to be here but a few more months. What are we going to do? What, what are we going to do? Are we going to fold and collapse after a few months of trying? And my generation multitasks. We don't necessarily pray or intercede. We don't like reading our word. All we do is skim. All we do is, I, I don't know. This next generation, and to my generation of people, hear me out. I know I'm beating on you now, but hear me out. The next generation is very noncommittal. Very noncommittal. We have very few people that will actually say, here I am, use me. Use me. God, what do you want me to do? Remember, I, while the pastor was away, I preached about the conversion of Saul when he turned to Paul, and the first words out of his mouth were, what would you have me to do, Lord? I see my generation not necessarily saying that. I see us being noncommittal. We don't like to commit to the kingdom of God. I want to go to heaven. We want to go to heaven. My generation wants to go to heaven. But, but I just don't know our level of commitment. I don't know if I can fully put my faith in the level of commitment that our generation has. We cannot take the baton. We can't take the baton from the leaders that we have now and not be committed to this thing, not be willing to give our lives to this thing, not be willing to stake our lives on this. Very few people, very few select people that will teach our children. You can get mad at me if you want to, go right ahead, but if, if it comes to need in this body or in this community, it seems like there's the same very few people that will show up. Be angry with me if you want, but that's the way it is. When it comes to my generation, there's very few people that will say, I will take time out of my schedule. And I know that we're all busy. I understand that. I know we're all trying to raise children. I am too. I know that we're all busy. I'm not saying you're sitting at home doing nothing. But I'm saying my generation, we cannot be noncommittal to this gospel. We cannot be. It's not going to work. We're going to fold. We're going to fail. When Pastor Joe's gone, we're going to end up failing. If we continue to, to not pray and not read, not meditate on our word, if we continue to not commit to this thing, we're going to fail. Oh, I have come this close, this close to, to praying. I, I can't bring myself to do it yet because sometimes you get what you pray for, but I've come this close to praying to God to send persecution. You, know, you always hear people talking about an economic collapse or, or some type of calamities. Man, I've come this close to praying, God, send those things on us. You see, because that will stop us from not praying. That will stop us from just skimming through it. That will stop us from being noncommittal. If things go haywire, the church will be real crowded real quick. Now, I've come this close to praying for it. And I tell you, when I work up the courage, I probably will start praying for it. But I'm afraid to pray for it because sometimes what you pray for comes true. Amen? We have very few people that will show up to a prayer meeting. Well, if, I, if I say, brothers, let's get together and watch some football. Man, I have 5,000 5, friends coming over to hang out. But if I say, brothers, 
come over and pray. And I got very few people that show up. Very few. We have very few people from my generation that will commit to anything concerning the kingdom of God. Why? Because my generation is too busy. We are too busy. My generation is too busy. Doing what? I don't know because I don't really see us accomplishing much more than any other generation. But we're too busy. We are so busy. We're the busiest generation ever. Most technologically advanced and busy, busy, busy. Too busy for this. To the people of my generation, to our young folks in this church, to our teenagers, it can't be that way. When the older folks hand us the baton, we're going to fail if we continue on this way. Here's another one. You can be angry at me if you want. But my generation isn't very committed to church attendance. We're not. I've thought a lot about this. We're not very committed to church attendance. You can challenge me on this. You want to challenge me and say, ah, you're wrong. I don't. Instead of bothering me after the service, I'll just tell you right now, go home or even on your way home with your smartphone, Google church attendance in America, okay? Google Sunday evening church attendance in America. Google those things. Don't bother me with arguing with me. Just Google them, and then you can come tell me what you found. I'll tell you what you found because I've already done it. Churches all across America are ceasing Sunday evening services. Does anyone know that? Stopping Sunday evening services because they can't afford to have all the lights on, the heat going, all this stuff going, just for a a dozen people to show up. Pastors are, are studying for hours and praying and pouring themselves in this just for a few people to show up. And they can't afford to do it anymore. So they're stopping Sunday evening services, and they're having to find alternative things to do. That, Google it. If you don't believe, if you want to argue with me, Google it, okay? And it's even infiltrated this church. It has. And I am unnerved by this because I see the writing on the wall that Pastor Joe, at some point, all his leaders, all his men, they're going to say, we're too tired, we can't do this anymore. We're old. We're dying. You know, at some point, and to the older generation, I don't mean to be morbid, at some point we're going to be burying these people. That's, and when we bury them, we'll be the ones standing there holding the baton. What are we going to do? Is our first act when, when Pastor Joe <laughs> passes us the baton, are, are we going to cancel Sunday night services? Is that what we're going to do? My generation just isn't very committed to church attendance. Oh, Google church attendance in America. Google church attendance in Europe. Google and find out for yourself if I'm telling the truth or not. I'm not talking about just New Hope. I'm talking about the church in America closing all over America because people don't go anymore. I read one article in particular said people nowadays view it as optional. That's kind of an optional service. Well, I don't know if you want to tell me, well, you know, that's just kind of a tradition. You know, it's a tradition that older folks, they used to go Sunday morning, Sunday night. Times have changed. You, know, you want to tell me times have changed. I'll agree with you. Times have changed. We can't lie. Times change. People change. But you know what? Hearts also change. Desires also change. Priorities also change. So times do change, but so do our hearts. You know, you won't tell me Sunday night church is just a tradition. No. It is tradition. It is a tradition that our older generations have taught us. 
Do you know that some traditions are good? You know some traditions are meant to be kept? Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. What are we going to do, younger generation, my generation, my buddies? What are we going to do? Are we going to cancel Sunday night service when Pastor Joe's gone? Bible says to hold fast, stand fast, hold the traditions you've been taught. These are some things that just worry me about my generation. I think you know now why I, I just have this little bit of unsettled feeling in me. Because I, I don't know what we're going to do. When they hand us the baton, what are we going to do? Gener- or, I, I wonder if we take that baton from them, are we going to walk with it? Are we going to throw the baton down on the ground? I don't want to mess with it. I don't want to bother with that. Are we going to run sideways? Are we going to run backwards? Are we going to zigzag all around? Or are we going to run the race straight and true? I, 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 just, I don't know. What, what are we going to do? You see, because it's coming. It, it is inevitable. We cannot keep Pastor Joe and Ruth forever. Now, I don't want to put the spotlight on any man. I do not. But I think of Bruce, the brother that I love and his wife, his family. Do you know that the man has taught Sunday school for I have no idea how many years, 20-some years, and received no real compensation for it, okay? Who in my generation is going to do that? Do I have a volunteer for the next 30 years for you to come and teach for nothing? Someone throw your hand up. Commit to 30 years of teaching the Word and receive nothing for it. I know that I'm being hard on you to the people of my generation. I know that, but, but please just keep listening. You see, these are just some of the things that unsettle me and that unnerve me. What's going to happen when the older generation is gone? We can't keep our current church leaders forever. We cannot. There has to be a next generation willing to step up and say, give me the baton. Pastor Joe, you're too old. I'll run with it. I promise I'll quit beating on you here in a minute, generation. But just a couple more things. Here's another thing I see about my generation. We have absolutely no concept of biblical holiness. We have no concept of what it means that God is a holy God. We have no concept of what it means to be holy. No concept whatsoever. And to the older generation, you're not getting off the hook, because I don't know if you guys do either, but whatever you guys have, we have less of. Amen? My generation exercises Poor discernment. Very poor discernment. All you have to do is listen to what we talk about. Listen to the television shows. Listen to the movies that we talk about. Look at the Facebook news feed. You'll see brothers and sisters talking about this movie and that movie. It's filled with filth. Propagates filth. We exercise poor discernment. Not a one of us from my generation can say, Before I go to this movie, will it have negative influence on me? Before I listen to this music, is it wholesome for me and for my family and for my children? Before I watch this television show, will it exhibit godliness in my life? My generation doesn't know how to do that. We don't. 
we exercise poor discernment. Very poor discernment. All you have to do is just be observant, and you will see that I'm telling the truth. Just be observant, and you will see that I speak the truth this morning. Could this television program possibly fill my head with images that don't need to be there? Could this movie fill my head with images that Jesus Christ would not approve of? And oh, you, you might think to me, then brother, what can I watch? There's nothing I can watch. Amen. I'm sorry. Tough luck. There's been some shows, man, that I've really been into that were awesome. I was watching them. Oh, man. And then they dropped the Lord's name in vain. Got to turn it off. And I'll be honest, I was bummed out, man. It was a good TV show. What are we going to do, young generation? What are we going to do? Pastor Joe's going to be gone someday. What are we going to do? Now, I know that I've been clobbering you. you know, people my age, I know I've been clobbering you over the head for the last few minutes. I know that. I understand that. But you can see where I'm going with this, right? There has to be a generation that stands up and says, wait a minute, we, we can't go the way of the world. We actually got to do what Pastor Joe taught us all those years. We got to hold fast to traditions. Whether by word or by epistle, we got to hang on to these things. What he was saying was right and true. I got to be obedient to it. What are we going to do with this Bible? When the pastor is gone and his generation is gone, what will we do? When some of the pillars that are in this church, when they're gone, what are we going to, are we going to have other men and women that will stand up and be pillars in the house of God? I want to call to remembrance from the Bible in the Old Testament, Elijah. Remember Elijah? I'll give you a quick story about Elijah just to refresh your memory. Elijah was the only prophet of God at his time. Okay, You can find stories about him, I think, in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. Elijah was just a spirit-filled man of God. He was the prophet of God at his time. And if you remember about Elijah, the people at the time were being indecisive. They were serving Baal and they were serving God. You know, they were just kind of serving both. Now, Baal and God, Baal and God. And Elijah comes to them and remember wicked queen uh, Jezebel? You know, that's during her time and stuff. Elijah comes to them and says, how long halt you between two opinions? He says, if God is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. And the Bible says the people listened. They didn't answer him. So Elijah goes on to say, I'll tell you what, you get the 450 priests of Baal, okay, and you bring these people, and I'll come, and we'll get two bulls, okay, and we'll sacrifice these two bulls, and the God that answers by fire, whether it be Baal or whether it be my God, that will be the God that we serve. And the people said, it is well spoken. So they agreed to the terms. So they gather up all these 450 priests of Baal, and they come, and they get the two bulls, and the priests of Baal sacrifice this bull, and they're putting it on the altar, and they're doing their incantations or dances and gyrations, whatever they're doing, trying to do magic and trying to make this thing spontaneously be consumed with fire. 
you know, praying to Baal. And if you remember, Elijah actually mocks them. You remember? Elijah mocks them and says, maybe you're because God is not answering. There isn't being consumed by fire. And Elijah mocks them and says, maybe he's went on a journey. You know, per, perchance he's on a journey or peradventure he sleepeth. You know, and they got to call louder. He might be sleeping. You got to wake him up. And then it says they cut themselves. Remember, they started cutting themselves and doing all kinds of crazy things. And this went on all day long, all day long. And finally, theirs doesn't get consumed by fire. So what does Elijah do? The Bible says he gets some helpers and they dig a trough around his, almost like a moat, if you will, around his altar. First, he repairs the altar with the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes. He drill, digs this trough around it. The Bible says he gets four barrels of water. He has some helpers get four barrels. He says, dump them barrels on there. He does it once. He does it twice. He does it a third time. So 12 barrels of water he dumps on his bowl, on the wood, on the altar, so that it's so wet, the Bible says, even the moat around it, the trough around his altar was filled with water. Everything is drenched, okay, with water. Now, if you have any experience of lighting fires, it's awfully hard to get a fire to light with wet wood. Amen? Well, God, Elijah prays, and God answers by fire and consumes it up. The Bible even says, licks up all the water. Okay, just whoom. And all the people, and then a fight breaks out, and now we know the rest of the story. But that's to tell you about Elijah, how awesome of a man of God he was, okay? All this time, you see, that Elijah's doing all this stuff, he has a young protege, if you will, a young man, Elisha. Now, don't get confused with the names. Elijah is the prophet, the man of God, and the young whippersnapper is Elisha, okay? He's the young man listening to the traditions that Elijah is teaching him, seeing, observing, being taught by Elijah, being taught by the man of God, walking where he walks, going where he goes is Elisha, the young man, okay? Now we're going to start reading in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. Now listen, this morning we've been talking about generations, right? Elijah is the older generation, the man of God that's in charge, you know, doing all these great works of God. He's, he's the older generation. Elisha is his young little helper, the next generation, okay? Just exactly what we're talking about this morning. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 says, And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. <coughs> Excuse me. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord lives and as thy soul lives, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. So Elijah, Elijah is going to be taken. They know that. God's going to take him away. Elisha knows this. And all these people were saying, Is it going to be today? Is God going to take him away today? And he says, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Okay? Verse 4. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord lives and as thy soul lives, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. 
And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. So they're traveling all around, and all these people were wondering, Is, is it going to be today? Is the Lord going to take Eli- the, is the Lord going to take the older generation today? Verse 6, And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray, here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives, and as thy soul lives, I will not leave thee. And they two went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they two stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters that they were divided hither and thither, so that they two went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from you. And Elijah, Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And Elijah said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken away from you, it shall be unto you. But if not, it shall not be so. Verse 11. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. Now look up here a moment. Do you see what's significant here? You see what's happening in here? What's happening is one generation, the prophet, the man in charge, the older generation, he is whipped up by this chariot of fire that comes down, swoops and taken. One generation is gone, and one generation, young Elisha's next. Now, you know what's noteworthy is, is Elisha, the younger generation, sees this flaming fire, and it says it parts him asunder. I don't know if it knocked him back or however it happened. Elisha shouts, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he yells that because his father figure is taken. He says, my father, my father, his father figure is taken. His mentor is taken. His teacher is taken. His master is taken from him. In an instant, he's gone. See, young generation, what are we going to do when the pastor is gone? Elisha's, my father, my father. He sees this chariot come and take him away, and he's gone. The older generation is gone. All that's left is Elisha standing there. These chariots come and takes Elijah away. All, all that knowledge, all that experience, it's gone. The only thing left over is Elisha and the, the, the things that he learned from his master. Elijah's gone. The one with all the, the, the talents that he's developed over the years, the skills, all the times he heard from the Lord, all the things that he, he's gone. The older generation is gone. Now let's read in verse 13. After this chariot swoops down and takes Elijah. And Elisha's heartbroken. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof, he yells. In verse 13, he says, He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah and fell from, that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets which were 
to view at Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. This, the, the master is gone. He's taken. But do you see what's significant here is poof, whoom, this chariot swoops and takes Elijah. He's gone. And all that's left is Elijah's mantle. The man of God's mantle is laying. Now, it wasn't a magical mantle. You couldn't touch it and do magic and perform things because it was a magical piece of cloth. It wasn't that. It was symbolic. You see, it was symbolic. It was the thing that the man of God wore. And he passed to the younger generation. When he was taken, there's the mantle laying on the ground. And Elijah, heartbroken that his master's gone, looks down and sees this mantle laying on the ground. And he takes it, puts it on, divides the water, crosses over Jordan. And the people say, the spirit of Elijah does rest on Elijah. I say to the younger generation in this church this morning that there is going to be a mantle laying on the ground in front of you someday soon. Will you pick it up? What will you do with that mantle? What will you do? Are you going to kick it aside? Get out of the road, ratty old thing. I got a nice new coat I'm going to wear. Or will you reach down because the people that we loved and that taught us are gone. And here's what they had. This is what they passed us. Will we take it and put it on? And will we continue there on the path that they taught us? Walking the straight and the narrow? What will we do, young generation, with that mantle that's left over when they're gone? When we've long buried Pastor Joe long ago, what will we do with that mantle? laying on the ground. The mantle representing the gospel. The mantle representing the word. What will we do with everything that we have been taught? What will we do with the traditions that we've been handed down? Will we kick them to the side and say, well, hey, we're not going to have Sunday night church anymore? What will we do? The mantle representing the spirit of the Lord. See, Pastor Joe and all of his leaders are trying to hand us the Spirit of the Lord. You hear him talking all the time. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. What are we going to do? Nah, Pastor Joe, we got a new way. What, what are we going to do to my generation of, of buddies, of my comrades, of my colleagues? What are we going to do? Are we going to pick it up? Leave it lay? Are we going to step over it? And it is important also to note, if you keep on reading about the life of Elisha, the younger, he goes on to do miracles of God. He goes on to raise people from the dead. He goes on to prophesy the word of God. So he takes this mantle and he carries on because that's what happens. One generation gets too old, the next has to take over. Uh, I have seen Pastor Joe and Ruth go through things that I hope I don't have to go through, but I have seen and observed them and witnessed them go through things. I don't know if I got the faith to make it through. I don't know if my generation has faith enough to make it through. Some of the people that have been in this church a long time, some of the families, some of the married couples that I can't even remember meeting them. It just seems like they've always been there in my life. I have seen them stand against the hate gates of hell and prevail 
And to my generation, I, I don't know if we got the faith to stand against the gates of hell and prevail. And it's not that this older generation walks on water because they're just these great, awesome people. It's because they were willing to do the things that my generation's not willing to do. And those things are praying, being rooted in the Word, trusting, and being obedient. It's all those things my generation doesn't like to do. So that's why I feel unsettled this morning. Okay, that's why I have an unnerved feeling. I guess you could say I have some questions about the future. Read the Word, trust, pray, and obey. There There is no other way. No. Now, we're going to do something special here this morning, okay? But I wonder who will, who, who is willing to pick up the mantle with me? Okay? Here's what we're going to do. And be patient, okay? Here's what we're going to do. Here, here in a moment, I'm going to call all the people from my generation. If you're anywhere remotely near my generation, I'll even go down to the teenagers. Teenagers, if you're willing, I'm going to call you down here to the altar, okay? To stand here for an altar. But let me be clear. To everyone my generation, I'm speaking to the younger generation now. As the booth, be ready to play some music here in a moment. I want anyone who is willing to take the baton. If you are willing to say, Pastor Joe is right. What, what, what Jason is saying this morning is right. You know, the writing is on the wall. These people, they are getting older. We got to, we got to carry on. My generation, we have to step. If you are willing, you're anywhere near my age. You could be a little bit older. That's fine. But to the younger generation, my generation, if you are willing, I'm going to call you down here to the altar now. Make your way down here. Stand up. I pray that every young person in here is willing. If you're willing to say, you know what, you're right, I will take the mantle. Come on down to the altar here. We're going to do something special. So just stand here a moment. Amen. I, I expect all you people to be down here this morning. I want to see this. Where's all my basketball buddies? You, every one of you has better be down here. Amen. See, this is the next generation of people. Okay? Good, good. Everyone stay here just a moment. Ah, excuse me. Now, here's what we're going to do. You older folks, you're not off the hook just quite yet. Okay? Now, you can remember that I said we read in Second, or in, uh, second Kings chapter 2 where Elijah, Elijah, the older generation, said to the younger generation, what will, what will you have me do? Remember what Elisha, the young guy, says to the older guy. He says, I'll pray a double portion of your spirit be upon you. So to the older generation, wherever the older generation, if you are from the older generation and you are willing to come down to us and pray a double portion of the spirit that was on you, if you are willing, please come down here now. And guys, you can play some music. Older generation, please come down. Gather around us younger folks, the younger generation. And I'm going to come down here and join you guys. But pray over us. Get Mingle in here, whatever you got to do, get in here. We don't. Actually, if we can get a microphone. Where's, where's Bruce? Is Bruce in here? Bruce, come on up here. I want to give you a microphone. 
I want Bruce pray over us, an older generation pray over us. We're asking God, we're asking this older generation to pray a double portion of the spirit that was on brothers like this, Pastor Joe, Ruth. We want a double portion of the spirit that was on you, on us, so that we can carry on in the next generation. Amen. Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. We thank you for your faithfulness. Lord God, we thank you. You are raising up another generation. Father, this this same Lord that's been faithful to us will be faithful to them. And Lord, we do speak a double portion upon each one of them, Father. We pray that you would raise them up, fill them with the Holy Ghost and fire. Even now, Lord God, I pray, let that fire fall from heaven, Lord God. Consume all the things out of our lives that do not honor you, do not glorify you. Father, we are in a generation now, Lord, where the church, most churches don't want to have anything to do with you or a move of your Holy Spirit. We say as your sons, your daughters this morning, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We pray, Father, let that fire fall from heaven, Lord God. Let us not ignore that man, O oh Lord, but to pick it up and to carry it, Lord God, I pray with a passion, Lord God. Oh, Father, I pray that you would burn foolishness out of us, Lord God. You would help us to set our priorities in order, that we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, Lord God, that the things of God would become important. Once again, Lord God, we pray. Father, I pray that you would bless every marriage in this body. I pray, Father, for these single kids, Lord God, those who are not married. I pray for their spouses. And I pray, Father, you would let godly marriages come out of this body of believers, Lord God, that have heard your word. I pray that they would be a group who would walk in the light as you are in the light, who would be doers of the word and not hearers only, Lord God. But, Father, this morning, we speak a blessing upon them, Father. We pray you would shine your light through them. I pray, put a hedge around them, protect them, Lord God, and raise them up for these last days to do what you have called them to do, to do, Lord God. We pray, let our God be magnified in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, listen, to my generation, I know I beat you, some of you down this morning, but I want you to know I love you. I pray for you. We're dismissed. Amen.